Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you. Tired of companies like Google and Facebook watching everything you do online? There's actually a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more, all for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Bradfo Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel Hits Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradfo Show. That's delicious. All right, Boom Sauce, live from the uh, brand new tap room at Lord Hobo Brewing Company. This is my first podcast at the Lord Hobo Brewing Company. <laughs> this is a cool place. This yeah. is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, see, it's not every podcast you get to do where you get a tour of a brewery before you do it. Rich Hill, uh, so awesome. To, to see Rich and Rich, you were just working out. You literally like so. I'm driving down to meet you at Mike Boyle's place. Yeah. You work out. You still live in Massachusetts, right? Uh, you and it's it's. I didn't realize it was like 300 yards from the Lord Hobo Brewing Company. So yeah, no, I know. I um, had no idea either, but uh, I've, I've <laughs> seen. Now I've, you know. Yeah, now we know. Yeah, and I've uh, been going to Mike's place for almost 11 years now. So um, really, I've uh, been fortunate to be able to. Uh, have that facility and 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 somebody like Mike and his staff that's around uh, to you know really keep me together um, in the off seasons. It's working. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. Has, I mean, yeah. so here's the here's the number I'm going to drop on you. And obviously, first of all, congratulations on thank you, on, thank you. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. an unbelievable season. Um, there's a few numbers I'm going to drop on you because I did show prep. But it's first of all in the years that you have left the Red Sox. With the Oakland, with the Dodgers, you, know, you have an ERA. You your mm-hmm. number. I think your your team record is like forty something and twenty something. Your ERA is uh, just over three. I mean, this is whatever contracts you signed. And by the way, to the day, almost three years ago, you signed your Oakland deal. Correct. One year, Correct. six yeah. six yep. million, right. which was which was you know a great story in itself. And then it took another level. Right. But. You've lived up to these deals. I mean, you've lived up to these deals and more, and you're keep trending in the right direction. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, um, you know, continue to keep fighting and, and, you know, not really giving up. That's the biggest thing and not being satisfied. So did you ever give up? Do you ever do you almost you probably were asked this before, but did you ever almost give up? Yeah, I've been asked that numerous times yeah. because, you know, when you're 
35 and um, you know out of a job and especially in professional sports um, you know the, the the, the thought is, okay, well, you know, your time's up. You've had a good run. Time to uh, do something else. But I never thought that. Uh, I always felt healthy. And uh, going home that off season, or going home during that season, actually, in the 2015 year, um, I felt, you know, I felt good. I felt strong. My shoulder felt healthy. And, uh, you know, I was, I was just continued to keep throwing. And, and things ended up obviously working out the way that they did, but it was the work and the time that was put in to uh, get to that point and get to the get to the point where, uh, to, to put myself in a position to, to be successful that, in the coming years. That must seem like forever ago. It, yeah, I mean, after two World Series and an NLCS with the Dodgers, yeah, it's it's been, uh, it, you know, maybe not a forever ago because it was just such great memories, and yeah. I think uh, obviously Boston has a special place, uh, not only because we, uh, grew up here, my wife and I, but also because you know they gave us multiple opportunities, yeah. and I think that's something I'll forever be grateful for. And I think that's something that um, uh, you know they they recognized the work ethic. They saw that there was something there, and and they and they gave me the opportunity. So do you, so I th- said to you I was going to throw some numbers out at you. Here's one for you. So you have another year before free agency. I think you'll be 40 uh, your next free agent class, um, but. But here's the big but. You have thrown basically the same number of pitches as the top, well, two of the top three guys. Mm-hmm. You, Patrick Corbin, who's mm-hmm. like 20, going to be 29. Mm-hmm. Um, Dallas, uh, Nate Devaldi, same thing, right around 14, uh, between 14,000 and 15,000 pitches. And, and Keuchel, Dallas Keuchel, the other guy, you've thrown probably four or 5,000 fewer pitches. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is something when we're looking at how you are doing, the way that you are trending, and you know, forget about age, this is what people should be looking at. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, one of the things, obviously, is, is being able to have the trainers and the, uh, you know, and the staff that have been fortunate to have to obviously um, stay healthy. I think that's the biggest key is, is being able to do that, but also um, understanding that as you get older in your maturation process of learning to become a complete pitcher, you become more efficient. Um, and, and understanding that over the last couple of years, since 2015, um, you know, and being able to use my curveball more efficiently and understand how to use that curveball. And, uh, you know, really at that time in, in 2015, um, you know, it was, it was uh, brought to my attention that you know, if I, using your best pitch more, you're going to become, mm-hmm. you know, more. Uh, and then you get the reaction from the hitters. I mean, this is right. So like, you, you become more effective. You end up seeing that it works, and it's something where, uh, you know, you're throwing more than you know 50% curveballs or maybe 50% curveballs at the time. When if I was doing that when I first came up, I think it would be a theory that people wouldn't really agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and and again, in that respect, is where some of my mindset has changed, uh, according to uh, analytics, and if you want to, where where it's actually helped, and yeah. and I've benefited from it, and I think it's, you know, I'm not saying that I did this or anything like that or changed the game by the way the style of pitching, but it's definitely has changed where you're seeing guys use more of their best pitch more often instead like, of you know. instead of four or five pitches you know like when dice k came in oh he has 18 pitches you know sure it's, and it's like well that can be a good thing or a bad thing if you can't right. throw it over the plate if you aren't getting the good reaction yeah. you know it's funny you say that because 
listen, you know, World Series is about emotion. Mm-hmm. It's about, and, you know, part of when the Red Sox montage is made, right. it's Chris Sale in the dugout, you know, two pitches. He has two pitches, right? Right. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, but, you know, and I, obviously, you know, he's an emotional guy and he's trying to fire up his team. But that, that to me, I was like, well, you could have pointed out a bunch of other stuff. I don't think sure. you should be focused on he has two pitches. Yeah, I think, and again, if you look at, and I, I don't, I'm not, I don't really enjoy talking about myself, yeah. but if, if it's if no, it's, but we're talking it, about right. pitching. Yeah, and if it's if it is a guy like myself who has two pitches, let's say, um, it's how you use those two pitches. So two pitches becomes, you know, how many, t- how can you spin a breaking ball? How can you change the shape of the breaking ball? Um, you know, I think that's something that that definitely is. Uh, you know, for everybody to understand that it that it's more than two pitches. So when you can change the shape of your breaking ball, and you can change the speed of your breaking ball, and you can change the you know the spin rate on your on your breaking ball, and change the spin rate on your fastball, um, it it creates multiple opportunities for pitches, and and that's where you understand how you can become a complete pitcher as opposed to okay, I just throw hard and I have a really nasty breaking ball, mm. or, or I have a great changeup, and that's it. I just throw those three pitches the same way all the time, every single time. Now, there is a benefit to that because if you're throwing it out of the same window you know, or the same arm slot and the same release point every single time, it's obviously very difficult to pick up on those pitches. Mm. Um, but it also makes it, you know, depending upon the speed, uh, more difficult or uh, much more easier to hit. You know, so if you're throwing harder, the theory is that it should be harder to hit, right? Mm-hmm. But now you're starting to see guys that aren't throwing as hard, but they're more difficult to hit. And why is that? And that's because of the spin rate and because of you know the the, the deceptive the deceptiveness that the pitchers have. So that's something that I benefit from for sure. Do you not to say you know we're not saying you're a pioneer, but there has been a noticeable change in the way exactly what you're talking about and how guys are accepting of the pitching the big curveball mm-hmm. the different you know using just two pitches in different ways I, I feel like it has changed and the jumping off point might have been when you started having success at the the point of your career that you did I don't know if you kind of felt that way or, or if guys have come to you, picked your brain, or if you've noticed that as well. Yeah, I have. I've noticed, uh, you know, a lot of guys have come up to me and, you know, either said, and it's, you know, really humbling in a sense because, you know, they, they, they've they've said, you know, you, you've given me inspiration to come back or, or to continue to keep pitching because of what you've been able to do at your age. And I think that's something that, um, you know, uh, speaks to uh, just the – just the work ethic, the the, the continuation of, of not giving up, and you're always going to face challenges, and 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 things are going to come in the way, and and but it's it's the obstacles that you have to be able to navigate through uh, in order to reach your goal. You know, everybody has goals, we all have goals, and we see the goal, but we don't see the mm-hmm. obstacles, mm-hmm. so to speak. So it's, you know, you want you want to see a finished product, and that's your goal, but how many people are going to go through the obstacles to get there? The mm-hmm. failures. The you know uh, injuries, um, the people telling you that you can't do it, or you know who, wh- whatever the negative response is going to be to where you want to get to, you have to be able to be uh, persistent enough and have a passion for what you're doing to get to that goal, and and not being really you know caring of anybody else's opinion if it's going to be interfering with where you want to go. You, your postseason numbers are really good uh, across the board. 
But you you go into that game four. Tell me how you felt going into game four. Tell me how you, you know, in hindsight now, when you look at, okay, I'm facing this Red Sox lineup. Did you have an idea who the what the lineup was going to be? Yeah. Did you have an idea of, like, how you were going to approach him? Did you, have, did, did you feel, obviously, probably felt good, but did you yeah. feel confident heading into that game? I felt very confident. Yeah, I always feel very confident going into any game that I'm going to pitch. Um, you know, and I mean, that's not just... It's just because I'm prepared. I think that's the biggest thing. I'm, sometimes I think when guys aren't um, as confident, you have different things that could lead into that. Maybe not being as prepared, uh, injury, you know, dealing with some kind of fatigue or some kind of injury that's happening where, you know, you're you're not at 100%. Or, and not to say that you have to be at 100% to go out there and perform. I don't think anybody actually is. I don't know if I've ever actually been at 100% when I go out there and perform but being prepared is is the biggest part mm -hmm. of knowing that did that confidence know, is going to be did you at, know the, the lineup highest. did you know the lineup that they were going to put out there uh, I mean at the time look I and I'm not going to say this does not mean I'm not saying this is in any any manner at all my game plan is not going to change okay. so understanding who's going to be in there and who is not going to be in there doesn't really so it's more about like you felt good yeah. You were pitching, you were healthy, your stuff was good at the time, and, you know, it didn't matter if it was the Brewers, if it, if it was the Red Sox, if right. it was the Yankees, whatever. Right. You were going to do it your your way. Absolutely, and, yeah. I, and I haven't changed, um, you know, since 2015 when I when I came back, and, and as a starter. Um, you know, I've, I've continued to keep um, the same uh, kind of game plan, the same strategy. And, and, I, and I go with the flow of the game. I don't um, try to let the scouting report dictate exactly what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. Because I think there's things that you have to do that the game is telling you as a pitcher. And it, it's calling for certain pitches as opposed to what a scouting report actually says. And, you know, that's another side of becoming more of a complete pitcher is being able to... Uh, some days, and again, some days you don't have your best stuff, obviously, and some days, more more often than not, you don't have your best stuff. But there are days when, um, you know, you have to figure out, maybe I use more curveballs, maybe I use more fastballs. It depends on, you know, the, the, on the certain day. The scouting report definitely gives you a um, tool to help you navigate uh, in the right direction and maybe give you some... Uh, insight to um, certain times that you might be in a jam out there mm -hmm. on the baseball field but more often than not you, you you i believe that you should go with your best stuff and go with your gut that you, that you feel is the right pitch at that time was there a hitters do you remember uh against the red sox in that game a hitter's reaction because hitter's reaction is so important like we look at it especially when you know from the outsider's view when you're pitching you know, oh, there's 91, there's 92, but oh my goodness, he was an hour late on the fastball. Right. So that. So yeah. was there was there a, a, a bat that you remember? And because there are some there are some key at bats. Every at bat is a key at bat in, yeah. on that stage. But do you remember any particularly? Um, you know, I think the biggest for me was obviously keeping Mookie off of the base paths um, early on, and JD. I mean, you know, with his. Which with, is an interesting guy to face, I would imagine, because he's. He's obviously obsessed with this right. sort of stuff. How are they pitching me? And right. So. And I mean, not to, I mean, you, you, for me, I, I can accelerate and decelerate a fastball. 
Okay, so that's something that takes a lot of time and a lot of practice. And that's another thing, it's just practice, 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 right? Mm -hmm. So you're constantly throwing, you're constantly thinking about how to uh, manipulate the baseball and how to uh, have that work in your for your for your you know best interest mm -hmm. and your advantages. But to be able to accelerate and decelerate a fastball is is huge, and be able to slow down or speed up your delivery, it it's all about disturbing the disrupting the timing of the hitter. So as a pitcher, if I can do that by half a second, you know, just by a slightest of a margin, mm -hmm. I win. Mm. And I think that's something that I've been able to adjust to and, and understand as, as a pitcher as I've gotten older. If I had known that when I was younger, I think <laughs> well, it's just you know, like that's how everything through, right? Yeah. But so yeah. with JD, that would be that would be that was the you know whatever it's, it's come and gone. But the, that would be sort of the game plan. I want to alter my fastball. I want to alter my delivery. Yeah, and you can just... elevate. You can you know with him, and I think obviously you can use your breaking ball in multiple different manners. You just got to make it. You know, the ability to spin it and hit the back foot, the ability to spin it and hit the front of the plate, the ability to spin it and hit the top of the zone. Mm -hmm. That's something nobody ever talks about. It. There's a top of the zone. Everybody's like, oh, he's pitch at the knees, pitch at the knees, pitch at the knees. But there's also a top part of the zone that is a strike. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the ability to use that is 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 my strength. Mm -hmm. That's my strength is, is, you know, the belt up. I'll throw a ball right down the middle of the plate and challenge a guy to hit it and that's what I that's what I love to do because I think that's you know here it is hit it see what you can do with it right. and, and and it's also speaks to efficiency because it's something that um, you know the, the the more efficient you can be with your the pitches the, the longer you can stay in the game and you know the the funny thing is about that game four is that I wasn't even going to start that game mm -hmm. they were going to start a reliever so oh, really? I think that was where a lot of the confusion came in for, you know, okay, well, we don't know who's starting for the Dodgers, and we can't set our lineup. Why was that? I don't. I, I mean, I don't no, know. No, but there was. Uh, so, Bueller starts Game Three, and I'm just trying to remember. So, what would you would would have you might have come in at a in relief? Or? Yes. Yeah, I would have came in. Um, so it was it was doing the it was doing the thing that everyone's doing now, which is you know let's start a reliever and then. Yeah, and I and I you know for me. Look at the time. I understand. I'll do whatever it takes for the team to win. That's that's the that's that's who I am. That's the way I've always been. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, it it just at the time I I don't I'm not 100% sure. I wasn't on board 100% at that time mm -hmm. for uh, coming out of the bullpen in the second second inning as opposed to just starting the game. And you know, there's there's a there's a rhythm, there's a flow mm -hmm. to the game that the starting pitcher knows and gets into. And I don't know if the World Series is necessarily the time to uh, actually... When did you find out? Uh, that morning. Oh, you're so, kidding me. Yeah, yeah. So you go to bed the, the you go to bed that night, the night <laughs> yeah. before, and you're thinking, I'm going to come out of the bullpen? Well, no, we... we it, it was, was up in the air. It was up in the air, yeah. Okay. So it was up in the but air. But still, like, like, this is part of the... You, you hear... <laughs> I've never been a starting pitcher in the major leagues, yeah. but I've witnessed starting pitchers in the major leagues of like, okay, my mindset is yeah. starting the night before, I'm going to bed, I'm thinking about you know, this and that and this yeah, and that. Sure. You're, going to, well. you're going to bed like, oh, where am I going to pitch? And, and we're not talking about you know, the regular season, we're talking about the World Series. <laughs> yeah. so. But it is funny because I think that that's kind of the part that you have to adjust as you get older. I mean, look, I've been, you know, we've, my wife and I have been all over the place playing and we've been you know, through hell and back, and and we're here. So, really, the being affected by 
pitching or starting or whatever in the World Series is really a, a very minuscule thing compared to many things that are going on. So I think that's something that you know I've been able to adjust and understand that you know uh, just be ready to to stay ready, just stay ready, and that's the biggest thing is that if you if you have the opportunity and the opportunity comes around and you're ready, mm-hmm. then you're going to perform at your best on that day. At your best, that doesn't mean you're going to the numbers are going to be the way you want them to, but mm-hmm. you're going to be able to give your best effort. You're going to be able to give um, you know everything that you have because you are you are prepared, and I think that. That means you know that that means everything. I mean, because because those opportunities come and go. You know, it's it's. Um, I think this is a sort of a microcosm of starting maybe with a wild card game, let's say Oakland, New York, and how. And I even saw it with the Red Sox as well as Alex Cora did, as well as the Red Sox did. There was a lot of scripting. There was a lot of scripting of, of everything. Mm-hmm. And so what you're talking about, obviously. The original script or one the the, um, the really outside the box script they didn't do, but then they do sort of another form of scripting as the game goes on. This is sort of like I think you know in terms of okay, Rich, you've mm-hmm. hit your limit. You're bringing in Mads and whoever, but this is sort of the I feel like the way the game is going. But I feel like across the board in the postseason, this was sort of it. Like, yeah, it was a lot of that. Well, I mean, we saw it last year too with with Houston and the way they used uh, Peacock out of the bullpen. I mean, we you know, and and the way that Boston was able to use Evaldi, and um, obviously, you know, it just it just proved to be a a, a great um, solution and and a great formula, I believe. Um, so, you know, and I th- I think that when you get into the World Series in the postseason. You can look at numbers, but a lot of that stuff has to go out the window, mm-hmm. and you have to go with the guys that, you know, are obviously, obviously, you know, being efficient and and uh, just going for it. I think that's the biggest thing is is, is well, going like for a it. Madison Bumgarner. You know, yeah, right. I mean, a few years yeah. ago, do that was yeah. 130 pitches or whatever. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's it's, and I you know I do think that we saw some of that with the Red Sox with you know, that you know, they ran out David Price. And they said power through a couple different times, and because he was rolling, and um, yeah, and I, I, I'm with you, I'm with you, and um, you know, it's I think that maybe we're gonna see, maybe we see more extremes for the postseason mm-hmm. next year or during the regular season, maybe we we learn from it. Yeah. I don't know. Well, yeah, I think one of the things is that when you look at the, if you want to call it like almost like the Andrew Miller kind of. Uh, Process or the Andrew Miller experiment or whatever you want yeah. to call it, like a few years ago with with Cleveland, um, it works in the postseason. Mm-hmm. But you know, you know, and I, I just don't know. You know, even with us last year in, in the postseason, Brandon Morrow, he pitched every single game in the World Series. Um, I think it, it works definitely in the postseason. There is a model that can be sustained through the postseason, but through it through an entire season, yeah. guys will burn out. I just don't see it. People uh, fell in love with the Tampa thing. I don't. I don't. I'm not. I'm not on board on that nah. either. I think, you know, you, you have starting pitchers and you have relievers and you have guys that are, you know, uh, you know, the, the whole thing a couple years ago where closers were supposed to come in in the eighth inning because it was a more valuable right. inning. Right. We were waiting all year for Kimbrell to do it. and He yeah. barely did it. Right. Yeah. Well, the hardest uh, three outs in the game, as they say, are the last three outs. Three outs of uh, right, you know, in the ninth. And, so. and you've talked to, and that's the thing that drives me nuts because I understand like the whole going back to all the way back to 2003, the closer by committee when the Red Sox tried yeah. it. 
I understand the important, maybe the most important outs are in the seventh inning. But I've also talked to guys like Billy Wagner. Mm-hmm. I've talked to these sort of guys who said, who pitched in the eighth inning when he was with Red Sox, and then and he closed his whole year career, and he said it's different. It's it is. just it is, yeah. different. It is different. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just like starting is different, and, and right, just right. Like starting the starter, first inning is different, right. right? Just like a starter coming in in the second or third or fourth. I mean, yeah. it's completely different. There's a there's a routine to it, and you know to be able to adjust to that and now make that commonplace in baseball is going to take a long time if that's what they want to do mm-hmm. because you've kind of uh, sculpted these players and these guys throughout the entire minor leagues to come up it's not just something that you can say oh wow this is we're just going to flip flip this guy we're just going to make him a you know we're going to put him in the bullpen we're going to start a reliever because he only gets to go through the lineup two times as opposed to the you know see the the hard, their best three hitters twice instead of three times well what if like for me for example my batting average goes down the more times I see hitters. Mm -hmm. So the third time through the lineup, my batting average against is the lowest out of the entire game as opposed to the the first inning or the second inning. Mm -hmm. It just continues to keep going down. So why is it more valuable to have the pitcher? I mean, I get it. Like, you know, there are guys that get seen. The more they get seen, the easier they are to hit. But what if they decided to, you know, pitchers start – actually buying into the concept of uh, the, the pitchability of, of understanding how to uh, invent or be creative during the game. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying you got to pull rabbits out of your hat. I'm just saying it has to be the creativity process has to be able to be allowed to grow. Why? And so, you know, I have to ask. So obviously, you know, the Dodgers have the, the biggest analytics department around and you make the World Series a couple of different times. You're doing something right, but to me, if if you gave me those numbers and you say this is guy is getting better and better, and better, or it gets better the third time through the lineup than the first time through the lineup, I don't do the well. He's 39 years old, 38 years old, yeah. and well, he's gonna wear down because that's what 38, 39 years old do the third time through the lineup. Yeah. I look at exactly what you do. I mean. Yeah. Do you think that this could be? I don't know if you sit down with them in spring training and say, "Hey, this we're looking at everything differently. Let's yeah. look at this a little bit differently." Well, I think everything. I think it should be. I mean, you got to take into the eye test. Yeah. There's an eye test that it, you just can't play the game on paper. Mm-hmm. It just can't be okay. Well, no, the, the, these guys are hitting this against these, you know, or, or uh, lefties are hitting. You got to look at that day and see how the ball is coming out of that pitcher's hand. Mm-hmm. And I'm just talking about pitching now. I'm not even talking about hitting. Right. Um, because there have been plenty of times where guys are, you know, two for two and they get pinch hit because you know they're 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 right-handed and a, and a, and a righty comes in mm-hmm. because they are two for two off a lefty. You don't think that they can hit the righty? Mm-hmm. Or I mean, I I just feel that. The longer a starting pitcher stays in the game, if we were going to do a graph, the longer the starting pitcher stays in the game, I believe that if he's throwing the ball efficiently, obviously, and consistently well, and you see that, the higher the percentage of winning that game has to go up. It has to go up. Mm-hmm. Um, because you you have the feel of the game, and you understand that the rhythm and what is going on and how you know the umpire strike zone. And, and to be able to... Use that in you in your favor or to your advantage is something that's huge, and I think that you know we may be missing that too, uh, or going away from that because the eye test is something that you can't 
um, it's not on paper, you know, on that day. And and and, and you know, we're, we're getting again, we're getting away from it, and it, it is uh, it's concerning. I think it is absolutely because especially comments like Bill James made that. You know, any player can be replaceable. Sure, anybody can be replaceable, mm-hmm. but can any player really be replaceable? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just any player? Do you think people are going to want to see player A instead of J.D. Martinez or right. Mookie Betts now? Right. I don't think so. Yeah. I it's, mean, it's it. the players, fans come to see the players that, you know, perform on a daily basis at the major league level. That's what they want to see, and they want to see it at the highest level. Mm-hmm. And... The guys that provide that, you can't just replace that. There has to be – this coming year is going to be really interesting because, you know, I think that maybe we haven't reached a tipping point, and I know that everyone's striving <laughs> to get more and more information. Everyone's striving. And this even go to the the thing with the the, the Red Sox face with the Astros, the, the sign stealing and all that yeah, stuff, yeah, right? Sure, yeah. I mean, that keeps getting yeah. to another level as right. well. I mean, there has to be – Somebody has to do something mm-hmm. and saying, okay, this is right, and this is maybe we should rethink this. In other words, with analytics, with shifts and everything else, what did we do right? What right. did we do wrong? I talked to uh, Zach Scott of the, the Red Sox, he head of the analytics, and he said one of the things we weren't doing well was disseminating the information. Yeah. We, weren't, we weren't doing that. Communicating. Right, communicating yeah. the right way. Um, good for them for understanding that, but it seems like that's that's the outlier there's not enough of that sure i think that a lot of it and again it's a give and take the players have to understand that there is the analytics side of it you don't have to agree with it but you have to understand it and the analytics department has to understand that there's a player side to it they don't have to agree with it but they do have to understand it so somewhere there has to be a happy medium um because i i just believe that uh, a lot of times with, with the shifting and with, um, you know, the, the pinch hits, we're playing for things that are on paper that say that they are absolutes because they're numbers. But the human being is not an absolute. It's not, you know, and when, when you start messing around with human beings, it's, you know, it hasn't worked out over the course of history. <laughs> so I'm just saying that I don't think this is something that's going to be uh, we're still in the very beginning stages of it. It's not perfected, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I understand the concept that, you know, numbers are supposed to be this, you know, absolute and perfect, uh, you know, idea out there. And we would all like to have an equation that would be able to lead to the outcome at the end of a baseball game. But the fact is, is that, you know, guys adjust and, and they adjust their swings during the game. Pitchers become more creative, um, you know, infielders and outfielders have range and they're able to get to balls mm-hmm. uh, and and on certain days maybe that batter is not you know pulling the ball the way that he normally does or hitting it to the opposite field the way that he normally does so we have to adjust during that game it can't be based on you know just certain um, statistics that came from you know even five years of games I understand I've looked at the numbers and I've seen them and I see you know the 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 way the shifts um, line up and where guys consistently percentage-wise hit baseballs, mm. but there has to be something in game where it's saying, well, his swing's a little bit slower today, or how do you quantify that during the game? Do you call down and say, hey, look, he's his swing speed is at 95, mm. not 98 today, so he's going to be hitting the ball the other way more, mm-hmm. um, and the pitcher's velocity, right? So Rich Hill throws 90 miles an hour but yet he has one of the highest swing and miss percentages in baseball on his fastball. 
okay well you know it's it doesn't show it's not one hundred so people don't we're still not at that point we're not at the point where you're understanding that the the numbers in the velocity and the power and all this is not it's not an absolute so i just don't look at it as something that you know is going to be guaranteed does it give you an advantage yes is it a tool that can be used to give you an advantage to get to you know a percentage, a higher percentage of winning on that day, yes, yeah. but we're missing something. Mm. And that's where the communication has to come in. Yeah, and the communication is is, is vital. And um, understanding, the player's understanding of it, uh, and having that bridge between the analytics department and the players is huge. And, and, and teams are starting to do that. They're implementing, you know, Brian Bannister, for example, yeah. to be able to disseminate that to the players and, and have us understand well this is why you should do this mm-hmm. and this is and then now you go out there and you start doing it and as a player you start seeing the results and the effectiveness of it mm-hmm. okay now i'm in mm-hmm. um but until that happens you can't just use guys and move them around like pawns and not tell them why they're doing it mm-hmm. you yeah. know guys yeah. guys get to the point at the major league level or even to professional baseball for that matter in the minor leagues uh, because of their ability and and their stubbornness, mm-hmm. so you're going to deal with a lot of stubborn guys and mm-hmm. and guys that need you know we all need to be explained why things are being done, not just you know stand here because I told you to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last question. Thanks for the time, Rich. Yeah. Uh, how long you want to play? I mean, uh, like I said, like you in in yeah. you're, you've thrown you've thrown the the amount of pitches of a 30 year old. I remember talking sure. to Seth Levinson, your agent. Yeah. Uh, when you when you signed with the Dodgers and it was a three-year deal, um, and and he this is the one he was the guy who turned me on to this and I, you look it up and like oh you're right you know yep. he hasn't thrown a lot of pitches, right. and I don't think it's that's not just agent speak that is reality and we're seeing that right now. Um, how how long do you have an idea? I would like to pitch as long as I can to be yeah. honest with you. I don't know when that day will be, but um, I certainly hope that it is something where, you know. You know, we can make that decision as a family, and you know, my wife, my son, and I can can leave on our own terms. Uh, we all know that this game and, and a lot of things in, in life aren't uh, able to leave on your own terms. And I've been able to be fortunate. I've been fortunate enough to be able to play with guys who have like Jason Veritek, Tim Wakefield, Derek Jeter, um, and Chase Utley, who have who have really been able to go out on their own. Mm-hmm. And that's something I would love to do. Uh, I've gotten to this point because I've 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 grinded and I've battled um, for a while and keep fighting and will continue to fight because I don't know any different uh, to stay in this game and continue to play. And I talked to my son actually the other night. And we were uh, my wife and I, Caitlin, and and uh, we we asked I asked him how how much longer do you want me to play or whatever. He goes, oh no, you keep playing as you know. He wants me to keep playing so. <laughs> That's cool. How, what, how old what? is he? He's seven. Oh, seven. oh yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. I, bet, I bet he has a little hill, the hill Dodger jersey. Oh, he's he got the, yeah, yeah. He, he got to throw out the first pitch this year. Oh, he it did. Was really oh. cool. So I mean, Dad, I want yeah. you to play for another twenty years. I know, so, I know. Yeah. Hey, so. Rich, thanks so much. Rob, I really thank appreciate you. it. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 cleaners and protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. 
You can also use their brand new 303 graphene detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you. Are you tired of being tracked online? There's a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more. All for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Welcome to History Is Us. I'm Dr. Eddie S. Glaude, Jr. Join me as we journey through history to face the ugly truths at the heart of the American story. Throughout this series, we explore who we are as a nation. Listen to History Is Us, a creation and presentation of Shining City Audio, a C-13 Originals, and John Meachin Studio. Available now on the Odyssey app or wherever you listen to your podcasts.